1: Hey everyone, I'm David Bombal coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom and I'm really excited to have Dewan Lightfoot on the call with me today. Dewan is famous not only on YouTube but also he's the creator of the Lab Everyday movement which has impacted thousands thousands of people's lives so I'm really happy to have Dewan on the call. He's also got a very inspirational story about how he got into networking. And to top it all off, he's got a great announcement or a very exciting announcement to make during this call. So I'm gonna have to publish this very quickly, but very exciting. So Duan, welcome. And it's great to have
2: you on the call, man. Hey, thanks, David. Um, I appreciate this opportunity. I thank you for having me on the call. You know, I admire what you do. Thank you. Th- this is gonna be fun. <laughs>
1: oh, definitely. So, Duan, let's start off just briefly, you know, who you are, a little bit about your background, and then I would like really quickly to get to this announcement, and then we can come back to sort of your background.
2: Okay. Well, um, Duan Lightfoot, for those of you that follow me on YouTube, um a YouTube content creator. I like to help people get into technology, uh, whether it's a network engineer, system administrator, whatever you decide to be. Um, I like to Kind of guide you there as far as providing those resources. Um, I've been in IT since the year 2000. That's actually when I went in the military. Spent six years doing that, and then it's been a journey to get to where I am today. (laughs) Which, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of the announcement, David. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. So you got, yeah. I'm really You've told me about this announcement coming, so I'm really keen to hear what it is. So, can you share that, and then we'll talk a little bit more about your background.
2: Yes. um, So I kind of took a break from um, YouTube and everything after my interview with Cisco, which is back in May, you know, my wife had um, quit her job and for like four years previous, you know, she wasn't working. It was just me. And that kind of drove me to get in my CCNA and improving my life. So I was back at that point again. Um, And during that time, you know, what of this Cisco interview? I was a system administrator, I had been a system admin for like three years, and a lot of people didn't realize, realize that on YouTube. But I was a sysadmin talking about Cisco, and it never really bothered me until you know the Cisco interview. It's like, well, um, yeah, this is kind of awkward. I'm a CCMP and I'm talking about Cisco, so um, I set out to. Become a network engineer because I've never been one previously. I've done I've done the role pretty much designing networks and everything as a network technician, installing VSSs and standing up networks, but I've never had the title. So I'm here now. (laughs) You know, as of July 16th, I became a network design engineer three, which is a fancy title, but I'm tier two support basically for a very large company.
1: Congratulations. So if I remember right, you were on the help desk for like six years, and then you, 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 you're doing, you were doing system administration until like, what is that, about a, less than a month ago? And now yeah. you've become officially a network engineer, even though you were doing that um, previously. But you've got this, the title now. So congratulations, man.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I spent six years on the help desk, David. Wow. <laughs> you're yeah. a brave man. You know, I actually love the position. Um, coming from where I'm from, making twenty dollars an hour was good money. Getting out the military, making twenty dollars an hour, and at from my understanding of life at that point was very maintainable. You know, yeah. it wasn't like hey, you needed to do more because this was like good where I'm from, and it didn't really set in until I uh, my family grew, you know, and things changed in my life. and it's like hey. I need to do more but I don't really have the qualifications. Um let me get some more certifications and, and start improving my life, you know?
1: Yeah so I mean <clears throat> stories like yours I find amazing. It's so inspirational to hear you know where guys have come from and where they where they're going. And I mean your story hasn't ended. This is just some point in the in the journey. But right. it's an exciting point. But um can you you've shared a little bit. Um if you don't mind, can you share sort of your background, um, so that other people perhaps in difficult situations or who feel that, you know, they're stuck in a dead-end job, they working in, you know, retail or in like a restaurant or something, and they feel that they can't make it. Can you share a bit about your background, about, you know, sort of where you were and how it changed when you got involved with Cisco and the
2: like? Sure, sure, David. So I'm from uh, Canton, Ohio. If you follow American football, that's the Football Hall of Fame city. And when I was a kid i w- it was about eighty thousand people in the in the inner city, and yeah. there was a very large um steel manufacturing presence in the city, so you know people were having these factory jobs living a good life, yeah fast forward twenty years and those fact- those jobs are no longer available those companies have since left, but the people are still there well. Half the people are there, you know, it's probably about 40,000, 50,000 people there now since I was a kid, you know, and the opportunity left for a lot of people because of those jobs left. And so. My goal, you know, is to kind to kind of help people from that type of environment get in tech or understand what's available in information technology. Not just in network engineering or in system administration, but also like DevOps or development or consulting or, you know, bi- being a business analyst. There's so many different avenues that you can actually take to create your own lane, even in a small town, because you can work remote, you yeah. can relocate, you can drive 50 miles, whatever you have to do to get there, it's, it's, it's possible.
1: Yeah, so I'm assuming you're not one of those fortunate types who had a trust fund who who inherited a lot of money, who comes from a rich family. So can you tell us, you know, sort of how did you bootstrap yourself to um to get where you are today?
2: Yeah, I definitely didn't come from that. Um, but you know, I, I did come from a loving family. I don't want to say like my family didn't support me. Of course I, not. Yeah. I have a very, very, very close family. Um but at the age of eighteen, which I was 18 in high school I realized, you know, I wanted to play football for Ohio State, but that wasn't possible because, you know, I wasn't getting a scholarship. You know, I wasn't that good. You know, I was good, but not that good. And um, my mom definitely couldn't afford it. Yeah. So and that's no shot to my mom. I love my mom. She did her best. She worked two jobs at a time just to make sure that I could have a good living. But I decided rather than put strain on my family to go to the Air Force. And so I spent six years in the Air Force and that's how I learned my technical skills.
1: So you were doing, um, in the Air Force, you were doing like networking or was it computer-based stuff? What were you doing in the Air Force?
2: When I started in the Air Force, I spent about three months on the help desk and I, I moved off of that real quick because I was able to uh, work with customers and understand the technology. At the time, it was Windows NT. yeah. So they moved me to desk desktop support, which that was fun doing Windows NT um, 4.0. And then there was a Sam migration to Windows 2000. And that's when I became uh, kind of like a sysadmin. And, and actually, that's when I first discovered Cisco, too, because there was this guy named Pat. He was like this rock star that new servers, new network, and had his CCNA back in 2000, just this all-around superstar. But there was no Google back then as far yeah. as <laughs> being able to no find YouTube. information. Yeah, you, you basically had one guy that knew everything, and it was, Pat just happened to be the type of person that shared information, but he was so busy busy, and had so much responsibility that if you, if you can get that time, you had to take notes. So I had learned back then and started taking notes and to value someone's time if they gave it to me, you know? Yeah. So.
0: So,
1: so let me just see if I heard that right. It was six years in the military, is that right?
2: Yes, sir, six years in the military.
1: And I can, uh, we were joking earlier, you calling me sir shows me the uh. background, you know? I'm gonna <laughs> Sorry, call dang. you your Royal Highness, no, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, so six years in the military, you had learned a bit about um, various um, um, IT systems, and then you right. left the military, and what happened then?
2: Yeah, so I, I left the military, I did a lot of great things. I spent five years overseas, actually, um, Three in Germany, two in Holland, some remote locations. It was it was great. Wow. Um, But when I got out of the military, it was probably the worst time that I should get out the military, 2007.
1: Wow, bad time.
2: Yeah, it was a bad time because I didn't see what was coming with the market, the job market, just the whole recession, everything. But I'm, I should have moved to a place like D.C., Because, you know, I had a clearance and I probably could have moved into a position, transitioned better. But moving to Kansas City, uh, Missouri, it was it was kind of a hard transition because my clearance wasn't valuable back then in this location, you know, and my skill set. I didn't transition it well because I did so many things in the military. I didn't really prepare my resume appropriately. Like I said, online searching Google, it it wasn't what it is today to be able to have the resources that are available. But um, it took me about five months to find a job. And when I did, that's when I landed my help desk position and ended up staying there for six years.
1: Wow. So do you have any sort of advice for people? um, What's the correct term, military veterans or people leaving the military? What would you advise them to do before they leave?
2: Um, save money save money <laughs> you know? good one save, save money if you're in the military save money a lot of the especially if you're going there you don't have a family you don't need to spend money you know they provide you food they provide you places to stay save money because you never know what tomorrow holds and having money available will make your life um will put it will give you more options i would say that um the second thing is to already start coming up with a plan of what you want to do, whether it's been in four years or six years, already start mapping out what you want to do and preparing for it because they pay for college. So go ahead. And if you want to go to college or certifications, start networking or whatever you want to do to make that happen. And then build relationships with people in the military that, because these people are going to transition, they're going to relocate, you know, they may go to a base that you want to go to. And if you have, a relationship with a commander or whoever, even though you may be just a private or an airman, still just being the the um, professional and treating people how you want to be treated will go a long way in the long run. So
1: that's great advice. I think that applies to anyone, though. You've got to what's that famous saying? If you don't have a goal, you're gonna hit it every time. You've got to right. kind <laughs> of have an idea where you're going and try and plan for that. It's not always easy. I think it's a lot easier today as you said because we've got google we've got youtube there's so many resources available these days but yes. something something else you also said that's interesting is you i don't know how to phrase it i wouldn't say the mistake but it, you made the decision to move to like a place that wasn't a tech hub or a place where a big city if you like right. so that seemed to also affect your your chances when you when you got out is that right
2: yes um you know i didn't understand it um you know i was um Married at the time, and my um, ex-wife, she was she was from here, and so for yeah. me, uh, you know, like her family's cool. I love her family. So moving here just kind of made sense. I, yeah. there, there were more jobs here than where I'm from, so it wasn't like I wanted to move there. And moving to D.C. is a big city. I didn't really want to raise a family there. Um, so Kansas City just kind of made sense, and it since evolved to more of a tech hub than it was back then. Is is really came a long way than what it was, but the recession really hit hard a lot of places in the states.
1: Yeah, agreed. So, is that where you based now, or have you moved?
2: Uh, I'm still here. I'm still here.
1: So, in Kansas City, is that where you where you based now? Yes. And with yes. your new job, do you have to move, or is it remote?
2: No, actually, um, um, I don't have to relocate at all. So, it's not that far from where I live. It's pretty cool.
1: That's it's, great. It's great.
2: That's brilliant. <laughs>
1: Okay, so after the military, you spent six years on the help desk, and yes. then I believe there was someone that inspired you to to go into Cisco. I, I've I've heard that in other discussions you've had. Is that is that right?
2: Um, yes. With with the Cisco, I mentioned Pat from being in the military. He was always that person that kind of drove me, and then I had another friend. Um, my boy, Kaz, he's actually a warrant, offer, warrant officer in the Army. And he was like the person that, you know, he's still in. He's as like his CCNP, CCNA security, and he was doing major things in the military. And it was kind of like, man, you know what? I can kind of do this too, you know? Yep. And it was like, I just um, attended this boot camp and took off from there. So you've. when did you get your CCNA? I got my CCNA actually in 2015, July, 2015.
1: And what's cool is you've, I believe since then you've got CCMP and you're working on your security or have you, have you done that as well?
2: Yeah. It's funny about the CCNP because uh, when I got my CCNA and this was probably a bad decision, one of my many bad decisions throughout <laughs> my career, but <laughs> <laughs> um, at that time I was a network technician um, at a company and it was a, a very large local infrastructure. So, a very large land. They had about 40 buildings, about 4,000 acres. Yeah. And it's, wow. pretty, yeah. And I was installing switches everywhere, just maintaining that network, SolarWinds, um, upgrading. Like I said, I stood up a VSS there. Um, I did a lot in that position. And I got my CCNA and I felt like I needed more money. Um, I had just had my son and I left that position, which was probably a bad decision. And but the the knowledge I obtained there helped me pass my CCNP switch because I saw all I was doing and I started looking at the CCMP. It's like, hey, I know this stuff. <laughs> you know, and so I went up getting it. And then the CCNP um, route, I pretty much studied the book. You know, I did some a lot of e- EIGRP, VRS in that position. So that kind of made sense. I didn't do any BGP, but there wasn't much BGP on the exam topics. Yeah. So I was able to get through it. But I kind of should have stayed in that position and I should have held off on my CCMP, although it did help me, you know. So I think the
1: the advice that you seem to be giving is you need to think carefully about where you're going and not just jump ship for more money in the short run. Is is that kind of a lesson or takeaway?
2: It's definitely a lesson because you can jump ship for another position where you think you're getting more money and you're going to have more opportunity. But if you don't really research, sometimes a position, everything that glitters is not gold. Yeah. You know, you could be going into a a sinking ship, (laughs) per se, or you can go into a position that has a fancy title, but you're not building your skills, which ultimately is going to leave you stagnant at that level or even set you back.
1: That's great advice. It's fantastic. So I've heard some other things online about you. You released a really cool video, which I'll link below here how CCNA changed your life. Do you mind telling us about that? Because I get a lot of this, sorry, just to hop on this, but I get a lot of questions about, you know, is CCNA really worth it today? Some guys will say it's not worth it. Some guys will say you have to have a degree. CCNA is a waste of time.
2: What's your take on all of that? Everybody has an opinion. I like that, I like that. But until otherwise proven, the CCNA is always worth it. Uh, until proven differently that cc the ccna certification is always worth it now how you market yourself once you get the ccna certification is up to you Um, where you're located sometimes that's a factor but either way that certification no matter where you go in america um, is value
1: how did it change your life sorry go on i interrupted you
2: no 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 we're fine go ahead go ahead so I was just going
1: to ask you, so how did it, can you give us a bit of your personal story? Like, so what, what was it like before you got your CCNA and then you got your CCNA and then
2: what happened? Um, so I would say at, before I got the CCNA, my military, getting out the military, I was qualified for, let's say mid-level, I was qualified for mid-level, but I didn't know how to market myself and I didn't have any certifications. All I had was military experience and I didn't go to a military town. So that didn't help me. And, and, um, but getting the CCNA that moved me, I would say to the next level. It, it says, okay, this Dewan is working towards something. Not only is he working towards something, but he has some years of experience behind him and now that's marketable. Definitely. You know, it shows that you're actively, uh, active learner and you can learn and you're willing to learn and you're willing to grow and it adds value depending on what company you go to. They may be a Cisco partner or whatever. So having you on their team could be valuable to them just as well as you, you know?
1: Yeah, it's good, good advice. Do you, before we, I want to talk about lab every day, but before we talk about that, do you have any specific tips for someone who's struggling to get their CCNA?
2: Just keep going. Um, There are no shortcuts. Yeah. There are no shortcuts. You may take a shortcut, but eventually it's going to show up. So what I would say is you may want to get it in six weeks or (laughs) 10 days or whatever, (laughs) but (laughs) that experience doesn't come that fast. So just keep working at it. If it takes you four years to get it, once you get it, it will be like a journey that was well worth it. It's like that marathon yeah. that you walk; your toes fall off, and everything, but you get to that finish line, and it's like I'm finally here, and it will pay off, you know.
1: I mean, it's a stepping stone, isn't it? I mean, it's not the the end goal. Perhaps is to become a CCIe, or you, you might not ever go to that, but it it right. really enhances your career uh, opportunities. I think, especially in the US, it sounds like
2: yes it enhances your i'm not saying that it's going to put you at a level to where you're making six figures or you know you're this rock star that everybody wants but at the same time it will make you stand out you know it's a certification that if you not only get the certification but you actually learn knowledge and can apply it not only in an interview but on a job it will make you better and then you can help mentor other people to improve themselves so it's kind of like a chain uh, a chain effect, that, a domino effect that just helps everybody.
1: I mean, you had an interesting journey because I believe you've now uh, done a degree. So you had CCNA before you had a degree, but now you've gone right. to do a degree. What's the reasons for that? And, you know, why did you decide to, to get a degree and not just stick with certifications? Can you shed any light on that?
2: Yes. So the degree was one of those things to where um, I've constantly been in and out of school, you know, And my mom, she didn't have a degree and I got kids now. And for me, it's like, I want to lead by example. I'm the type that leads by example. I'm not really the type to say, hey, you need to do this. Or, you know, yeah, Yeah. so it's like, okay, I got all these credits and I ran into this recruiter who was helping me. He actually, it's a funny story. I'll get back to that um, later. Feel free to tell it if you want. Yeah. So I ran into this recruiter and actually for the, okay, I'll I'll kind of start over. So I ran into this recruiter for the position I have now. Back in May, when I wanted to become a network engineer, I applied for, let's say I'm tier two now, but I applied for a senior role in the same, same organization. And I bombed that interview. I've never bombed an interview in my life. Because the question they were asking me were project management based. And that's an area in my career where I never, I've been in a lot of organizations that didn't have proper change control. So to go get into an organization to where they have change control in, in full effect, and you have to use the proper terminology for project management deliverables and making sure you're meeting these deadlines and fulfilling these, um, Obligations, I bombed that interview. The same recruiter calls me back in July, I would say the end of June, and offers me a tier two position, which is below the senior position. Well, he's he offers me an interview for that position. I'm like, Well, I just bombed this interview. How can I go back in there and apply for this position? Like, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I'm I'm not a coward. So, you know, I kind of just prayed about it and I got on the call. I'm like, they're like, your name looks familiar. You've been in here before? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like. they're like, can, can anyone tell me what happened in the last interview? And I'm like, yes, sir. I can tell you exactly what happened. Um, the last time I interviewed was for a senior position. And honestly, I wasn't prepared for that position. And I know that my skill set does not meet that position. But at this level, I know that I can come in here, add value to your team, and give you 100% of myself to not only approve and prove myself but those your company and those around me and I know getting the position.
1: Oh man, that's a great story.
2: Yeah. So back to what we were talking about. <laughs> um man, yeah. So I kind of lost track I was going to ask uh, you, was, so
1: why did you get a degree now? Um, because okay. you, had, you had CCNA. But yeah. I mean, that, that, the stories like that are fantastic. I love that. I'm, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. It's really personal. And I think it's fantastic that you were, you. I don't know how to say this politely, you were brave enough to go back in there. That was That's fantastic.
2: Thank you. It, it, it was brave enough. And then it was also a sense of, you know, like I said, my wife had stopped working and I needed it. So I, I mean, couldn't, that's, that's I well couldn't back down. Yeah, but that recruiter at the time was telling me that I needed to get my degree because it was just one of those things to where I needed to finish. And so that's how I ended up, because I had talked to him initially, I think it was back in January before I started school, and that's when that whole situation happened where I bombed a degree to kind of put it all in perspective. So I needed, what, three classes. So I ended up taking those classes in January, completing them in May, and then I interviewed for the position again and and generally then that's where I am today, so.
1: So you'd actually already started a degree, but you kind of stalled on that, and this gave you the incentive to continue, is it? Or did I misunderstand?
2: No, no, no. Um, So I was thinking about it, then I talked to him and I enrolled and got the degree.
1: So tell me, in the U.S., because I'm not based in the U.S., but in the U.S., it sounds like if you want to get your foot in the door for a lot of positions you need to have a degree is that kind of true or what's your take on that
2: it all depends there's people that make it without a degree and there's people that don't make it with a degree yeah you know and i think it all depends on you your location and your grit you know like because there'll be times where you want to give up and at that point could be your breaking point to where you break through. Yeah. But if, if you quit, you never know how it's going to turn out. So it's kind of one of those things to where you either had to understand that this is not for you and have self-awareness to know that this isn't the field for you. Or you had to have the, the determination to keep going. No That's matter if that opportunity doesn't present itself today or tomorrow.
1: That's great advice. So just stepping back, because I, I didn't know if I got the answer to you, and forgive me if I'm pushing you. So why did no. the recruiter tell you to get a degree?
2: We were just having a conversation about my skill set and my certifications and everything. And I was, he was asked me if I had a college degree, and I said, no, um, but I do have a lot of credits, and I'm thinking about getting it. And so he was like, well, that thought you need to bring to fruition and go ahead and make it happen. Um, because can't nobody take a degree from you and degrees do not expire.
1: That's a great point because I mean certifications do.
2: Right. And so it just made sense. And like I said, my mom didn't have a degree, you know, and I wanted to set an example for my kids. It just, so many variables, it just made sense. So I went ahead and just knocked those classes out, but it it wasn't easy. (laughs) It wasn't easy.
1: (laughs) You were doing Java, I believe. Is that right? I I saw you tweeting about Java and stuff.
2: David, 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 <laughs> you're pushing. <laughs> am I, am um, I putting you on the spot yeah? Sorry, man. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot. Okay, well, let's, I
1: can tuck no, that no. out if you like.
2: No, I'm, I'm, I am don't. It may help. I was help just, so just
1: going to ask you, though, know, as a network person, what's your experience of Java? Because I've heard it's terrible. But, you know, Zero. Java is horrible.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Um, back in 2000, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember i went to san francisco for a job interview and i ended up turning that job down right oh wow and it kind of bothered me because it was for something i really wanted to do but it didn't make sense for my family and becoming a network engineer where i am now has been a journey because uh the opportunity that are for I, the availability of network engineering roles here compared to other places isn't the same. Yeah. I would say, you know, and it was kind of discouraging, but there's a lot of developer roles here. So for me, learning Java, I was, my mindset was, I kind of got discouraged, I would say, of being a network engineer. So I figured maybe I'll try development, you know, and maybe I could learn development and help people get into. You know, coding. Yeah, but that didn't really work out because it wasn't fulfilling for me. I think you chose the hardest
1: language on earth to try and start with.
2: But it helped me because in college, you know, I had to take C++. It all made sense because I took Java. So, you know, (laughs) and then doing Python, yeah, Python is just... A breeze, I'm sure. It's a breeze, but it's not the same. You know, I would think that because I believe Python is object oriented. It can, uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, and but it's not the same as Java. Is is it? You can do a lot more in in Python with just like one line or two yeah. lines. You can print something real easy. Very easy, yeah. Yeah, but in in Java, you need like eight, ten lines to do the same thing, and yeah, it's it's no fun.
1: It's interesting that you say that. I've got a a friend of mine in in, uh, California who I speak to quite a lot, Chuck Black. Yeah, Chuck. He's awesome. Chuck's got like 37 years development experience or something crazy. And and he created a Python course and I was telling him, so Chuck, why don't you create a Java course? And why don't you teach a bit of Java on these calls that we're having for network engineers? And he says, David, no. Because Java, <laughs> Java is like what you said, like to Python, three lines of code you got something. Java is like totally different
2: nightmare. Yeah. Is is is? I would say it's no fun. It, yeah. I never enjoy doing it.
1: I think what what's great about Python though is Python is very well suited for network automation because it's so right. simple, so high level. Just with a few lines of code, you can do a lot. So uh, don't 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 lose don't lose that experience of dev. I think you should you can use that to your advantage because now you've got um networking and you've got a bit of dev knowledge. I mean that's a big advantage.
2: Yeah and I'm actually slowly working myself into the Python. You know, I'm SSHing into devices, pulling commands, putting them in a folder. I'm I'm doing that now I would like to be able to do large scripts as far as if we need to do large configurations across multiple switches or routers or, or whatnot and also query different um, interfaces. So I, I want to dive deeper into it, but it's a journey right now because is, yeah. the environment that I'm in is so large. And I want to definitely learn what I, my role first, and then expand my skill set from there.
1: Well, let me know if you want access to my Python course. Um,
2: I already, I already bought it, David. Great. Oh, you shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't have bought it. You should
1: have just told me. I would have given it to you.
2: I know, but I support you, man. Thanks, I man. I appreciate
1: you. it. Yes, sir.
2: But um, I bought it and i don't know if your other courses have like how to ssh into devices i know the one has telnet yeah, do, do you go deeper in the other ones
1: yeah so that i mean the um i'll send you a voucher, voucher to the new the new course um okay. yeah so initially we start with telnet just because some guys would struggle with ssh but then okay. yeah we dive into netmiko and napalm which yeah, allows you to those. do really cool stuff it's so it's all ssh later on and um we also use multiple threads or processes to speed things up because it's it can be slow doing it. You know, um, synchronously you want to do it everything in parallel. So yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a coupon after the call. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so if you if you if you have the time, go a bit further, and yeah, you can telnet is just the initial part. Um, later on, we get into full SSH and much better stuff.
2: Okay. Yeah, I would love it because what i'm what i'm trying to learn now and I actually work with a guy he's he, he's the, the lead and he's the guy's really smart he's from holland the, the guy's really smart <laughs> he, he he scripts a lot in python and so looking at some of his scripts because i was trying to figure out how do you write your python script without entering your password in the script it's in the, it's in the like, course if you want it Okay, awesome. Then see, you're the man, David. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I mean, what
1: you've said, you've said it three or four times now, which is really interesting. You said, I know a guy or I worked with a guy who was this good or was like a rock star. And I think what you, the lesson to learn there is try and get into a team where someone knows much more than you do and right. try and shadow them as much as you can. Would you agree with that?
2: I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. Um, it's it's one of those things to where you have to have a balance of asking the right questions and researching for yourself. Yeah. But not wasting time researching for yourself. You, you know what I mean? And not wasting their time either asking the same questions. So you really have to learn how to build that relationship to be able to ask the right question directly without too many words to be able to get the answer you want and then being able to apply it to your notes or wherever you need to so you don't have to ask it again.
1: That's good advice that because I mean I get asked things all the time and it's like guys don't just ask me silly questions that's why you've got google.
2: That's why you got google that's we need to make a video to where
1: (laughs) can I google (laughs) that for you? Yeah. So tell me about Lab Every Day, because you're famous for that as well. So how did that start? What is it? Because people might not not know what that is.
2: Um, Lab Every Day is a journey. First and foremost, it's a journey. It's not something to where, you know, you're just in the lab every day um, on your Cisco hardware or software, whatever, virtualized, however you want to do it. But it's about the journey, Um, working towards it every day, whether it's reading a book, studying notes, um, working with your mentors with taking a course, whatever, but it's just doing the little things every day to get to where you want to be that that's pretty much all it is
1: but you, I mean you're very humble i mean it, from 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 what I've seen it's a lot bigger than that it's like a community <laughs> of people helping oh, each yeah. other and encouraging each other. I see a lot of lab everyday messages you tweet all the time I, right. I think every day you know encouraging people to do things and stick with the journey and you know, a lot of other people help one another. Is that right?
2: Oh, yeah. Now, if we talk about the community, that's a whole other thing because the community is what is what drives it. Especially, I've been offline for about over a month or two and the community is still going strong. I mean, there's so many people that are striving to improve their lives and they're willing to help. So can you, how, to do, help. how
1: does someone get involved? Can you sort of, like, if I, if I want to join Lab Every Day, how do I do that?
2: I'll send you a link to the Slack group to where a lot of people are in there just communicating and helping each other. And then also on Twitter, just hashtag live every day or Instagram, hashtag live every day. Maybe even Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but um, just hop on the social media, hit the live hashtag, and you'll see people posting and so can connect you, can, you,
1: can you give me the link so I can post on this video or will, do they have to email you for it? Not now, but later. I'll post yes. them later. Is that okay? Y-
2: yes, I'm going to send it to you. Great, I'm gonna send it to you. great.
1: Yes, I'll post it on the on the below the video. So if anyone wants to join the Slack group, they can just use that link, right?
2: Yes, sir. That's yes, right.
1: Yes, your royal highness.
2: <laughs> yes, David.
1: <laughs> so that that's exciting. I mean, the lab every day. How big is the Slack group by the way? Do you have any like statistics how many people are are involved?
2: Um, the last time I checked it was over 160 people. Wow. I'm not sure. I'm not sure now because like I said, I've been offline for over a month and a half. And, and um now put this in an accordion, but I'm not big on like um social media as you think. Oh, well, I think you know you're a mean?
1: big social media
2: <laughs> fan. <friend, though. laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not. I'm I mainly just post and get off. You know, I, I don't really look through fees, I don't really look through messages because my time is very valuable. Yeah. You know, if I do, I just check real quick. If somebody sent me a message, I reply. But I'm I'm doing I'm working to do better at communicating with the community. You know what I mean? Because I know people do want you to do that. But for me, I got three kids. I got a wife. I got a job. I got a business. Outside of just YouTube and everything I do, I consult. So there's so much that I do. And it's, yeah, social media just takes, there's too much on social media to really be in it like that for me.
1: So that's a really good point. So let's talk about that, if you don't mind. Let's, what are okay. your tips for time management? What are your tips for getting more done in the 24 hours you have every day?
2: I'll just tell you real quick. Yeah, um, go for it. I keep things like these. Yep. And I keep them clipped up. And every day I write down what I need to do for that day and what I didn't do yesterday. And I prioritize what's important to be done. And so the least important thing goes to the bottom and the most important things goes to the top and shout out to my boy, Jorgen. He's from, um, um, Denmark or yeah, he's from Denmark and he actually kind of gave me that structure to where all right, the most important thing has to go down on the list at the top, which I already knew that, but if it's not written down, you kind of just put it in your mind and you may do it and you may not. And so now, all right. Use my calendar. I bought an Apple Watch, <laughs> so I kind of try to be as consistent as possible with my time management, um, my scheduling, and making sure I put my family first, God first, getting prayer in, and all that stuff. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that's really good. So, so just the brief overview it's like a weekly yeah. calendar, and then you write like every day the what five top tasks that you need to do or something like that, or
2: yeah, there's there's five tasks that I actually put on it. And then once I have my top task that goes at the top and then whatever I don't do the next day, it goes to the top of the next day that, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a rotating list that just keeps going. But my goals is a whole separate thing. You know, I I do three months goals that kind of feeds into my priorities. So everything is like a building block to get to that. Let's say five year goal, you know, and I always, I'm constantly every day along with my prayer reevaluating who I am and my plan to make sure, all right, this day I dropped the ball in this area. Let me make sure I spend some time with my son. All right. I dropped the ball yesterday with my daughter. Let me spend some time with her today. You know, just little things like that. I dropped the ball with my wife. Let me make sure that I send her some flowers and make some time for her. You know, just kind of balance it all because one of the things I learned about YouTube is that if you are out to help people, you have to help yourself first. Yeah. You know, and the people that love you and support you the most are the ones you have to get the most support and, you know, um, attention to, because without them, you know, there is no me, you know? That's great advice.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get so focused on the goals and the accomplishments that you lose the most important things in life. Right. I've, I've known a lot of guys who, who, who perhaps have money, but if they lose their family, well, what do they have? They get lost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, we see it. You know, some things happen in life you can't control, but the things you can't control, you have to control. Yeah, so and that's you, yourself.
1: Yeah. It's a good point. So you discipline yourself. You try and every day, make sure that you allocate time to the important things, not just the urgent things.
2: Right. Exactly. The important things are definitely, I mean, the fam- family's always first and then the relationships with the people that I'm building relationships with, you know, friends, mentors, um, there's, I make sure that I set aside some time to just say, hey, check on them as as well, you know, because when people are busy, they don't have time to check on you, but it's, it's cool to just touch base with them. It's not mean that they don't care about a relationship with you, it just means that um, they are tending to their family, you know?
1: Yeah. So f- one of the things you've mentioned is you, you, you're not really a big sorry, you don't spend a lot of time on social media. You use it and you perhaps allocate specific time to it, but you don't spend like the whole day scrolling through Facebook and stuff like that. Have you got any other tips, you know? So let's say I'm a young guy and I wanna learn, um, become CCNA and perhaps become a CCIE one day. Any other time management tips or just tips about life that you can give me?
2: Yeah, so one of the things I did, um, like my YouTube channel, um, when I'm on YouTube, I only follow people that's going to improve myself, you know, any entertainment. I don't really follow that, you know, because I can always search for that. Yeah. But to see it, especially with all the algorithms that are out there, you'll find yourself doing things without if you're not self-aware and time is just wasted. Yeah. So you really had to monitor who you follow, what you follow. And what you put in your life and who you bring into your life. And so I'm really diligent about who I bring into my inner circle, um, the things that I do, the things that I watch, things that I read, because your mind, if you don't control it, will go somewhere you don't want it to be if you're not self-aware. So I do my best to be as self-aware as possible.
1: Yeah, so so in other words, you're very careful with what you read, what you consume, uh, where you spend time. You try and focus your energy and the time you have on what's important.
2: Right, on what's important, and if somebody comes to me and needs help and they contact me directly, I do my best to help them um the first time, you know to make sure that i'm I'm listening to what actually what they need and then give them what they if I can help them, I help them, yeah, you know if i can't i put i play i help point them in the right direction when I first started YouTube, I was trying to help and solve everyone's problems, and yeah. I realized quickly that. You'll become somebody. (laughs) Yeah, you'll become somebody you don't want to be if you're constantly trying to fix everybody else's problems.
1: So that leads me to my next question. Why did you start your YouTube channel?
2: Yeah, I started my YouTube channel because when I first started my CCNA journey, there wasn't nobody that looked like me on YouTube. And I felt the best way for me to get back is to give back, you know, start just talking about my journey and. Talking about Labin and that's about it.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we we spoke about this offline. Your your aim with your YouTube channel is basically to give back and to and to give to the community, if I understand it right. Is that, yeah, is that, that
2: that's that's my only aim. You know, I'm not looking for fame. I'm re- I'm really it's cool to get subscribers. Um, in the beginning, you know, I wanted to reach certain goals, but I don't know how to goals anymore. You know, I've I've reached all the goals that I set out to reach. You know, now I want to help people more. More um, directly and intentionally, because when I was smaller, I could build relationships with people one on one to help people. But now that I'm lo- now that my channel's grown to a point to where I can't help everybody directly, I have to be more focused on helping the whole rather than the individual.
1: That's brilliant, Duan. That's fantastic. So let's talk a bit about the future. So you've just got this new position, which is right. again congratulations. Thank where you. do you see yourself going? So do you have any you spoke a bit about, you know, you have you set three month goals. Do you have any goals for like the next year, five years, ten years? Where do you where do you see yourself going?
2: Um right now, I would like to learn as much as I can in my current current position. I'm in the process of taking over a project for migrating remote sites to um two by T's, three by T's, which is multiple T1s because they can't get Ethernet. So they need more bandwidth for the sites or whatnot. So I want to do as well as I can in that position. But outside of that, you know, I want to learn more about Cisco ICE. So with that being said, I want to get my CCNA security certification. So I'm really focused on that area of learning that knowledge, which I'm doing pretty good on that. And then maybe taking the CCMP security, depending on if it makes more sense to get the CCIE. So my goal is as far as um certification, not as far as job wise. I do desire to be a senior network engineer, which I know I can do that. Oh, yeah. So but that's that's gonna take me just being able to manage projects and doing everything that I need to do, um troubleshooting wise and like I said, managing projects, being able to do that. So
1: So just for people who don't know, what is Cisco Ice?
2: Cisco Ice. Cisco Ice is basically a management system. I don't want to say management system, but it's a security solution for your endpoints in your network, your endpoints and your router switches. You can do TACX and RADIUS.1X authentication for your network. So let's say it's your authenticating server in your network so okay. it t- it talks to your windows um, active directory to say okay this person can be authenticated in the network and then it also can do TACX management for your switches and your routers to be able to say okay this network engineer can have access into this network
1: that's great and then i mean you mentioned it earlier so it's interesting you worked with solarwinds as well so right. what kind of solarwinds products have you worked with
2: um solarwinds as far as the network uh, management It's the main tool resource that I have used. So being able to go into SolarWinds and say, all right, this router's down, being able to monitor the interfaces, monitor the servers, the ESX servers to say, okay, this. This um, server is running out of resources. We need to add more RAM to this device. Let's put more RAM into to this device. Um, this side is down. Let's troubleshoot that link. Or this link is reaching full capacity. Why is it reaching full capacity? Okay, now let's push out some configs or let's pull this device to see what's actually going on with SNMP. So
1: So, which Winds products would you recommend, if any?
2: Yeah, npm. I would say if you have the opportunity and you have a server at home, a virtual server, download it and just install it and start from there, and then you can add other tools on top of that. But I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I would start there with just doing like a SQL Express install and learning how it works. Um, doing your SNMP to be able to pull your devices, and I believe you can actually do that in GNS3. Am I? Am I yeah, correct? you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, so you can actually do it in GNS3. Just being able to set up your monitor in the GNS3 and seeing how you pull and send traps and all that good stuff.
1: So this is interesting because uh, for for a lot of network engineers, when they take the Cisco courses, there's not a large emphasis on network management. I mean, there's some in the CCNA, but I wouldn't say it's like a big emphasis. Um, But you've had a lot of experience with... SolarWinds and other products doing network management type stuff. So how important would you say it is to have SNMP or something like that to manage a network in production?
2: Yeah, so SolarWinds, I believe, can only do SNMP version 2. So being able to understand that and being able to set that up is valuable. You Your logs, all that is valuable information that you can use to improve your network and understand what's actually going on in your network and being able to configure it, a lot of times those configs will already be there, but don't be the person to just copy a script. Know what the script actually does that you're copying into your devices. Because if you want to be that senior network engineer, you may have to take a site and figure out a better QoS for that site. Because the QoS could be wrong and there, you, if you're the person that could say, okay, we can actually divide this up better to where the site actually can have the high available or the high demand applications to give them more resources resources than take the standard internet connection down. So that's something you need to do if you wanna be that senior network engineer.
1: So that, lead me, that leads me to my next question. Um, which areas would you recommend someone focus in or focus on, should I say, for now and then for the future? Are there any specific topics or technologies that you would recommend?
2: I would say focus on where you are now. Find out how you can do where you are now the best. And then see what's available. If you have access to the firewall and you're interested in the firewall, start looking at those access lists and seeing how everything works and then maybe get your CCNA security. If you have access to um, Cisco Prime and you're interested in wireless, learn how Cisco Prime works. And If you're able to get in the controller, log into the controller. Learn how that works, learn Flash Connect, learn just everything about configuring APs, which is pretty simple, and go from there. Find your area of interest, focus on that, and just build on that. See what opportunities are around once you master the position that you're in.
1: I think that's a really good point. I mean, a lot of people, what's the term some guys use? They say they're waiting for all the lights to be green before they do something. Right. And life doesn't work like that. I like what you just said. You know, use the position you're at as much as you can. So see, you know, look around yourself and f- try and f- make your own opportunities kind of thing. Is is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, because it, all, it may not be the job that you feel like you deserve or you should be in. But at the same time, if you don't leave a good mark where you are, your time there was wasted. Yeah. No matter what the position is, if you leave your mark and you can use that manager as a reference, and everybody speaks good about you, and you've done your job and you've done everything you needed to do, that will benefit you in the long run. Although it may not be where you want to be, don't treat it like it's not where you want to be. That's that's just my that's just my advice. It's
1: great advice. I mean, it's a journey, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a journey.
1: So, the one you have been sharing with thousands of people, you know, strategies, tips and tricks for preparing for the CCNA, like books to use, simulations to use, home lab, GNS3, packet tracer, et cetera, et cetera. Can you give us some tips in this call about what would what would you recommend, what tools, technologies, et cetera, should people use to help them for CCNA prep?
2: Uh. Um, where where do we begin? <laughs> yeah, we, we've got we can go for another three hours. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I say we begin at the Zen topics. Okay. Uh, I believe everything on Cisco has to start there. Yep. Um, and from there, of course you can join the lab everyday group. You can follow David Bumble, but the Cisco Learning Network, I believe, is another great resource to where you can find inter- interesting questions about the exam um, topics and then also people sharing their certification journey on that platform. So I do admire that platform. Um, the next thing books, the OCG books, um, when they are own them, those books are pretty good. Of course, your course is DNS3 um, and Packet Tracer. You have Packet Tracer. So at Packet Tracer and GNS3, David Bumble will get you squared away and he's very professional and it's going to be <laughs>
1: you mustn't push my stuff you must say your stuff sucks there's better stuff out there
2: no I'm no kidding, no man. no not not even to say that but there's so many resources out there there's something for you yeah exactly you know if you don't like follow my youtube channel there's network chuck if you don't like chuck there's jeremy you know if you don't like him there's david you know there's so many different resources to help you get to where you want to be. You don't have to stay on one line and nobody's going to feel bad about you buying someone else's course. You know, we're just here to help, you know?
1: That's such a great, that's a, such a great thing to say because I think we, we were talking about it as well earlier that the Cisco network community seems to be very much unlike any other network or other community. Everyone's willing to help one another. And I think that's a really cool thing about this community.
2: Definitely. Now, on top of that, and I think this question is more for you than it is for me. I've always been the type to have a home lab, but I kind of taken a step back and looking looking at technology and what you really need to learn, and it's kind of impossible to build an MPLS at home and have a network, you know, um, yeah. as far. Yeah, so that that's kind of hard to do. So what are your thoughts on moving forward for a lab?
1: So I would recommend if you if you brand new to Cisco, get Packet Tracer. So like CCNA, you can do the whole CCNA with Packet Tracer. Packet Tracer is free. It's you know it's easy to use. It's got bugs, which is a problem. It's not the real thing, so it has issues. Right. But it's a great way to get started, and it's free. I mean that that's very important for a lot of people. Right. Um, but it, as you move to CCMP and perhaps you for CCNA security, you you probably want to get into GNS3 or Cisco Virl. Um, GNS3 I, I'm a big supporter of, big fan of, um, because of all the things you can do with GNS3. And with viral images, so you have to buy these images. Um, you can load them into GNS3 and you can do almost anything. Oh. A lot of people still under the misconception that you can't do a whole bunch of stuff with GNS3, but you can. the stuff that you can't do is very small now. You can do almost anything. But I think if you're bra- brand new Uh, We both interviewed Michael Hilton a while ago, 14-year-old who got his CCNA. And what he did, which I think is really clever, is he used all those tools or both those tools, but he also got a home lab, just a few devices, so that he could see how the network physically works. Because it happens a lot, You, you, you might interview a guy or you might meet a guy and he did all his courses remotely or with simulations, and he doesn't recognize the device right in front of him That's the actual device that he should configure. So you you don't want to be that guy. You want to know what you know what a cable looks like, how to connect it, that kind of stuff. So I think once you've got the basics of cabling and and you know basics of how devices work, then you go virtual. Especially these days, when I started my CCIE journey, we had only physical. There wasn't a virtualization platform. But these days, everything's virtual. So you can. I think do the physical cabling initially, like cable your own home network or do something small at home so that you know how it physically works. You can't learn to cable a network through packet tracer. You know, you, you got to do it. Um, but after that, I would just go GNS3. After CCNA level, go GNS3. Because um, GNS3 can do almost anything. So MPLS, no problem. Just name a technology. And um, I'm struggling to find stuff that GNS3 can't do these days. Uh, packet, so can, go on.
2: That, you can do dot one x.
1: Yep, yep.
2: Okay. Well, I, there you
1: go. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. So eight uh, iOS v layer two switches from viral support dot one x. I'll okay. put a link here. If I'll I'll just update put a put something on the video if that's not true, but um, as far as I know that is true. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Um, what happened recently is genus three relo- sorry three released. Um, Docker containers that are TacX and Radius servers. So you just literally pull a little device into your Juniper t- t- uh, topology, and you get Docker uh, TacX Radius servers. So you don't need to get ICE or some huge man- management platform. You literally just pull the device into your network, and it downloads the operating system, boots it up, and you've got a TacX and Radius server.
2: I'm going to have to upgrade my GNS3. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: Docker's really made a difference. So Docker there's um, another Docker container that's great as well, which um, it's one of the GNS3 community guys that, that made it. So um, Andrush is his name. He's a great guy. So the same thing about the community, guys helping one another. Andrush created this in his spare time, and it's a network tool set or toolkit, he calls it. It's got DHCP, DNS, um, SNMP server, syslog, a few other things, all on a Docker container. So you just pull that into your GNS3 topology. you got all of that already. Um, okay. If you want to do full blown stuff, then you get NPM or something like that into your network. But you know, if, if you just want a basic server for your lab, it's so easy these days. So yeah, I'm struggling to find stuff that GNS3
2: can't do. Yeah, that's kind of like, the server and Packet Tracer, you can do all that in Packet Tracer. You can, I don't think you can do Tacas, but you can do Radius. You can do both now. Oh, you can do both now? Okay, but the, it's, Packet it's Tracer is even advancing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I just saw they, up, they released 7.2 um, ah, a few okay. days ago, and that supports even more stuff. So, um, the Packet Tracer is good. It's a great way to get started, but it's not real. That's the way to right. put it, just some. Genius 3 gets you 98% of the way there.
2: Right, right. You made a great point about the um, getting the devices at home, and that was kind of my thinking. Get a switch to be able to understand port security and understand how. Okay, what happens when you plug in mismatched duplexes or mismatch speeds between a computer and a switch? Being able to check the interface, see what happens, and then maybe even getting a router to be able to configure a trunk and see how it works and in sub interfaces and all that, and just go from there. But as far as building the actual home lab, it's fun. But um when I got my when I actually got my CCMP, I had a home lab, but I used GNS3 on the go. So yeah. I was wherever I went, I had my laptop and I was laughing in GNS3, watching your videos actually thanks on YouTube. You helped me set that up. And from there, with along with CBT Nuggets, I just laughed.
1: I mean, I think that's the advantage of virtualization technologies is you can just take them anywhere. I mean, you've got a laptop. These days, the laptops are generally powerful enough. Um, You know, you don't need some huge lab. You, You can spin up, it just depends on your computer resources, but you could spin up 20 routers in GNS3 and run MPLS and a whole bunch of other stuff. It just depends on how fast your PC is.
2: Yeah, my my lab, my CCIE lab, and my GNS3 right now has thirty routers. Wow, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been it's been a journey, but I'm um, I'm learning. So oh, I need p- to get more the MP, MPLS in there though.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I don't want to plug it, but I'll put a link here. I've got some free MPLS videos on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch it, um, it takes you basically how to set up uh, basic MPLS and layer three VPNs. And it's just a playlist of of MPLS videos. Um, so if you watch those videos you'll you'll have MPLS. MPLS sounds very complicated but it's not.
2: No, it's not. It's not. So.
1: So which sections of the CCNA do you think most people struggle with and what advice would you have for them to 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 get through those areas?
2: I think IPv6 is safe to say an area that just seems overwhelming and it's always been like that but it's really not that complicated yeah. because you don't really have to learn subnetting in IPv6. You know, just kind of take what you learned from IPv4. Um, Remember that it's 32 bits and all that good stuff, and now you're dealing with 128 bits, and go from there. (laughs) You know, you don't really have to apply the same way of thinking with IPv6 as you do with um, IPv4.
1: It's a great point. I mean, I think the the scary thing is just those long addresses, but once you get over those, it's, it's not that bad.
2: Yeah, and start creating your own addresses and name them some cool stuff, <laughs> you know, and then you'll kind of get used to it. If you start naming it cool stuff that you can think of, you know, like dad or something for a network. Face, you know. babe, yeah. Right, <laughs> and make it fun, and maybe that'll make it more interesting for you to learn it, so.
1: That's a good point, point. and what about subnetting? I've had guys say that subnetting is a big one. Do you get a lot of questions about subnetting, like IPv4 yeah.
2: subnetting? Yeah, I do, and I actually have some videos on subnetting, and people say it helped. But for me, um, the first thing I remember was the different, um, like the thirty-two. How many, how many um, hosts and how many, um, network, how many hosts and everything that's in thirty-two slash thirty-two slash thirty, and break it all the way down to I would say about a sixteen. You really don't have to yeah. go uh, um, further than that. And then, then understand this, the subnet mask and the purpose of a subnet mask and then the, the network side and the host side and understanding the two differences and then just go from there and realize that you're always going to have uh, uh, the host, and I mean, the network ID, and then you're always going to have a broadcast in, in your subnet, you know, unless you're dealing with ISP because I heard ISPs, ISPs can actually use a, uh, what, slash 31? Yeah, so it's just, all
1: Cisco Gear supports it now. Um, okay. So if you have a point-to-point link, you can do slash thirty one.
2: Right, right. Get so. rid of
1: the broadcast. Um, yeah, but you don't need it because point to point,
2: yeah. So, yeah, the, other than that, I mean, just just break it down, draw a picture, draw a table. Like when you're doing your CCNA, just write that down. That write, write it down, okay? Uh, slash 32, um, you don't have you know, it's just one ID, and slash 31, there's two, slash what 30 is, there's four, but there's only two hosts, and just kind of write it down from there and then go from there. And then if you actually need to subnet, you know, do the binary, to decibel, understand that. And you should be good.
1: Yeah, we'll link those videos as well. So I'll put up, if you can send me the link to your subnetting videos. I'll, I think this, sure. so this call is gonna have many, many videos to link. I'll just put a whole bunch okay. of links below the video. You were just telling me something offline about uh, boxing. Do you wanna share that with everyone?
2: Yes, so IT to me, uh, we were talking about experience and how much experience I have in IT. And I feel like I need more experience. But I look at IT sort of like boxing and any sport. You'll have some guys that are great in high school, great at, let's say, amateur, let's say boxing, like Freddie Roach. Great amateur boxer, but never quite made it as a professional fighter. But from his experience, he became a great trainer, a Hall of Fame trainer. You know, and that's kind of how I look at IT. Like everybody in IT isn't going to be this senior great person, but they can always, or they can use that experience to help someone else. Or they can make carry it over into another field or their afterlife after technology, you know, it's just a journey. And that's kind of how I look at my journey. I've been in it this long and I'm not sure if I'll reach that senior network engineer position, but either way, I know that it's going to help me to do something greater. And maybe YouTube is that greater to help somebody else get to that senior network engineer or that networking executive, whatever they want to be, architect. Um, I'm just doing my best to, you know, do my best on my own journey, you know?
1: I mean, it's a fantastic. And I think um, I'll just wrap up with this. I think the great thing about technology is... Great thing and bad thing, I suppose, but the great thing for new guys is, I'm very experienced, I know <laughs> ISDN. How does that help us? I know Token Ring, so how does that help us? I, I remember when I was starting out, I used to seriously program Cisco routers with modems. And I used to have two routers, and they would call each other through an analog modem and send data across, and I would listen to the modem and make sure that it was making the right the right sounds. And how does that help us today? It doesn't. So -hmm. the point is if you knew, I think guys get hung up on experience. The great Mm -hmm. thing about IT is what's, what was great 10 years ago is irrelevant today. If you get on the hot new stuff, within two years you can be the one of the, I shouldn't say the most experienced, but you can be quite experienced in a new technology. So I wouldn't look at, you know, I need five years or 10 years or 20 years of experience because let's be honest, what was important five years ago isn't important today. And what's important today won't be important five years from today. Things change all the time. So just jump in there and go for it. Um, Don't always think that you need lots and lots of experience. But now I'm mumbling. So with that, Dewan, I want to thank you so much for spending so much time with me and sharing your thoughts and your journey. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you, David. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. And because you called me sir again,
1: I want to thank you, your (laughs) Royal Highness,
0: for spending this time with me. Have a great day. Yes, sir.